I think it's really important to find, like, try to understand from your people what they're good at and what they're really passionate about and what they love, and then help them get better at that. Throughout my career, I've been in jobs before where it's like, oh, go do this. And I'm like, that wasn't supposed to be part of the job at all. I'm like, no, like, I'm terrible at that. And now, oh, oh my gosh, I'm in this role now. And it's like this bad fit, right? And then you're thinking, you're freaking out, like, what do I do? And you're not performing well at the job because it's not really a good fit. I really try to understand from people. And I think this is part of that mentoring is asking them questions and understanding, like, what do you want to do? And once they get into the role for a little while saying, what do you like that you're doing and what do you hate that you're doing? And I want you to be brutally honest with me. Hey, it's the Data Driven Marketer. I'm Adam. I'm Mark. I'm Taylor. And I am Will. Welcome back for another Hang in the Data Basement. Thanks for joining us. And thanks to our guests today, Taylor Shanklin and Will Novelli from Barlele and, and now Creative Shizzle. Uh, you're our first like home and away. We already did your podcast. So it's this funny thing where it's like, hey, we're going to do a podcast. But I feel like we just talked for an hour, maybe like three weeks ago, because we did. <laughs> Had a lot of fun. It was a- but yeah, from here, I'll throw to you guys as we customarily do for sort of intros to talk about our Lele and, and how you got there. Awesome. Let's do it. You want me to start, Will? Yeah, yeah, go for it. I'm cracking my beer open. All right. <laughs> Appropriate. Why didn't you throw one to me? Damn. Um, I've got a golden ale. I didn't hear that. <laughs> golden ale. All right. I'm gonna. I'm pretending to drink a cider right here. It's just water. Uh, that's not as fun. But uh, well, well, what's up, y'all? Uh, it is good to hear be here with you on your podcast this time. I am Taylor. I founded Barlele in 2020 because the year of a global pandemic felt like a good time to start a business and leave my full-time job. So I did that and uh, started my creative agency. We do branding, we do marketing strategy, and we do a lot of social media work. Uh, Very quickly decided, well, I kind of know this about myself, that I like things that scale. And so we started dreaming up, we started growing the team pretty fast and started dreaming up how do we scale giving small businesses and nonprofit and, you know, marketing teams who need to do a lot, how do we give them good design services and creative services? And so we bore, we born, we birthed the creative shizzle, which is, uh, I guess it's my, it's my third child. I have two children and now I have a third new baby that was just born. And Will has been a part of helping and getting that going. And he joined on and now we are ready to rock and roll. We've got the creative shizzle product out, which is subscription based graphic design services. So we're doing that too, in addition to the more kind of one-on-one brand strategy work that we do. That's awesome. I definitely want to hear more about that. Yeah, and uh, I am Will. During the pandemic, I was laid off from a larger corporation. (laughs) We'll leave them out of the stuff. But um, I joined up with Taylor and Barlele, which has been an excellent experience so far. Uh, I joined up in about April of 2022. And, you know, uh, just like Taylor said, we've been helping out small businesses and nonprofit organizations and just, you know, kicking butt out, doing some social good from our perspective. I'm from South Jersey, by the way, or Southern New Jersey. Uh, So you might pick up a little bit of a Jersey or Philadelphia accent as well. (laughs) You might hear used guys coming from me, especially after I cracked open. 
There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's I got Baltimore, so not I'm not too far off with it. <laughs> oh man, I was in Baltimore. When I was in Baltimore, I discovered um what was Bohem what was the what the the bow the bow beer? What's that? Uh, Natty Bow? Natty Bow, yeah. <laughs> what is that? Natural Bohemian. Oh my god. National Bohemian. Beer. National Bohemian, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a really old beer brand out of out of Baltimore. Uh, well, what Will doesn't realize is that I hired him because of the accent. I was just like, gotta have this Jersey accent on the team. <laughs> <laughs> it's a requirement. <laughs> it's a we big value that. add. <laughs> it definitely affords a certain attitude uh, that that's just kind of like, hey, <laughs> yeah. hey, don't yeah. don't mess with us. Yeah, don't mess with this guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I mean, it's it's very welcome. It's it's, it's a good thing. <laughs> So before we just jump in on Chop Talk and so well, I guess this is sort of Chop Chop Talk. Taylor, you have a uh, an awesome neon sign that says Parlele behind you. We're not we don't record video, so for the for the listeners, how what how is that is that actual neon or it's actual neon. Yeah, it's a real neon sign. I ordered it off of the interwebs from a company called Yellow Pop, I think. Uh, you can go and you can make a custom sign. And so, I don't know, my husband sent me like this ad he saw one day on Instagram or something was like, you should get a neon sign like this. And it took me about 30 seconds and I was like, it's done. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I've been looking looking for something like that. Yellow pop. Yeah, Uh, we might need to get two of those for uh, two data is dope. For for Dreamforce next year. Yeah. Totally get a data is dope sign. Yeah, it was, it was really easy to order. Seriously, like you pick your font, you pick colors you can even do a logo i think so i might get one done next with a logo for creative shizzle it's either that or a tattoo we'll we'll see what we'll see which <laughs> one gets work next <laughs> so highly recommend the tat anyway yeah i mean i got a couple but i might add a new one <laughs> so the so the place i think i'm kind of interested to jump in to start is the maybe this is just an effort to pull it back to the data-driven aspect of you know, what we talk about here, but like, what was it on the agency side that you saw trend wise? that was sort of like, okay, this piece doesn't scale. It's got to look like this over here. And so then it becomes the subscription product. Like, yeah, not literally the numbers, but like, I always, you know, like that's the thing I wonder there, which is inside of that sort of agency. If you look at the broader agency world, like the reaction to how do we scale turns out to be this conglomerate of like, local agencies purchased out by these, you know, by the, by these bigger umbrella like entities and stuff. The other side is I think what you saw and then said, Hey, the solution over here is, is this thing that's, this, that's actually a different product and not just, I don't know, a way of organizing the old product. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think a couple of things. One is, I guess like I'm a creative at heart. So I found when people were hiring us, a lot of times they were hiring what's up here in my noggin. And from a copywriting perspective, from a branding perspective, from that like strategy perspective. And I started realizing like, I need to sleep. I need to be able to take a five minute break during the day. And I can't really scale myself in terms of being able to work on every single client. And what I found is that our design team is incredibly good, way more gifted than I am at design. And so I started thinking, 
well, this is one of the things that we do best. Like usually, you know, from more of the boutique services, I was kind of the brains behind thinking through the strategy of a brand and the words and what it needed to feel like and sound like and look like. And then our creative director would make it happen from a design perspective, right? Making the everything look pretty and really like come to life. And so I started thinking, I really want to help more small businesses do this. I often feel like people don't do good design or don't have good design in their marketing and sales materials because they just think that they can't afford an agency. And something that I frequently hear is people are like, oh yeah, I hired a you know person on Upwork or on Fiverr, but it's always different. And then they have a hard time with consistency in their marketing and their sales collateral from a design perspective. So I started thinking, how do we make really great design achievable for the small business, for the entrepreneur, or even for like an agency like mine that's trying to scale up and grow and needs to outsource more of the design work. And so I figured, well, let's just figure out how to scale up on that design stuff. And then I can help to kind of oversee all of that, but just grow the design team and be able to give more people good design services at an affordable, like attainable, accessible price. I don't know if that answers the question, but that was part of it. As I was like, I can't scale myself. Yeah, I think right. so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's it, know what we're good at. You can't clone yourself, can you? No, no. I tried. It didn't yeah. go well. <laughs> you try to you try to duplicate her like Calvin and Hobbes with yeah. the cardboard box. The trend you noticed is probably that that your time is stretched in such a way that you're sort of like, well, we can't take on more people. Yeah. But also the need is still there. It's still incoming, right? So the trend you see is people are still asking for this thing. And then right. I think from inside an agency, you can get a look at like which pieces of the process are, are the ones that do or don't get handled in the, particularly in the space, you know, that you guys were talking about, smaller businesses, nonprofits, stuff like that. When you catch incoming client work in that space, a lot of times it's sort of like somebody's cousin worked on it up until now, you know, or, or oh, we thought we would just hire a graphic designer and then we would be good. And it's like, no, there's a thing that agencies do that is the reason they're expensive, which is there is a design process yeah. that, that sort of needs to happen. And so I think it's interesting watching this stuff split up into the different things because you also have like, like we love Canva over here to the ire of our graphics department. But like, yeah. it's a fast way to brainstorm out some stuff because I have minimum chops from being a graphic designer that I can, you know, hey, okay, we're good enough for the pitch here. But like in between that and effectively executing the thing that you get an agency to do is mostly just humans like Human. talking to one another and asking questions and understanding things that interpreting things where it's like, oh, you said you wanted this, but what you actually want is this because you don't have the subject matter expertise in this whatever quirky thing. Yeah. And then it's trying to figure out like what humans do I need to bring on to the agency to be able to make all of this stuff happen that clients come at us with. And so that was the thing too I found, and I've been in the agency world for a long time before starting my own, is when you're in that world, like people can come to you with a lot of random stuff and you're like, okay, well, yeah, we can do that. Oh, yeah, okay, we can figure that out. And so you're right. It's like either you're kind of then going and figuring out how to grow and expand by hiring, by merging with other agencies, by partnering up with other agencies. And then what happens is I find this to be a common thread in agency world is then you're like all things to all people. And you're this agency that's like, 
people now, we do too many things. And mm-hmm. I, I don't like that. I have a life philosophy of minimize to maximize. I think you've got to minimize all of the garbage that doesn't really matter to maximize in the area of focus that you're really good. And so I just decided let's maximize being really good at design. And I'm going to blow your mind, Adam, our service, Creative Shizzle, we do all design delivery on Canva. And I did that for a very specific reason. It's fast and it empowers the client to be able to make changes on their own. What happens oftentimes in other design um, systems is that, you know, you have one little change, you need to change a comma to a period or one word, and then you got to send it back to the graphic designer. You maybe get it back 20 to 48 hours later, and then you're like, ah, that slowed us down. So instead, we just, like, we're really, really good at Canva. We make stuff in Canva that people are like, that's Canva? And so we're just like, that's our expertise, and it allows us to move really fast and give people really good-looking stuff so that they can go on and move on faster and do the next thing that they need to do. Yeah, it's kind of like Marie Kondoing your, uh, <laughs> yeah. your pipeline, if you will, or your, your product offering. It's kind of like do what you love more often than trying to do all these things that people might want you to do, but you don't necessarily love it or feel you can yeah. kick ass 100% at it. Also, I mean, to be fair, it's also like a cutting edge. To, to be fair to the graphic designers that are grumpy that I referred to earlier. Yeah. The shift that you're talking about that makes that a relevant way to deliver deliverables is, is just the edge of modern collaborative software, right? And so everybody, it's like, yeah, Photoshop can do... Illustrator can do more. I know. I'm fluent. Yeah. But I don't work there very often because I, that's not my full-time job. And it's, and it's a Mack truck. I got to go to the corner to get the mail. I fire up my 16 wheeler. It's like, I don't, it doesn't, I mean, literally like it makes my processor go nuts. It's too big a program. <laughs> it's not yeah. like a jet engine. If yeah. I'm trying to edit vector images yeah. on my machine. Yeah. Pick the right tool for the job. You know, exactly. I, I keep picturing the, the meme that's been floating around recently. Uh, one, it says like, uh, just Google it. And then it shows the cat executive in the Yahoo offices saying, what's Google? <laughs> but that's, that, I, that's, what, uh, that's what I feel like Canva is for me. It's like the Google of design programs. It's very well integrated, sharing easy. It empowers clients, just like Taylor was saying. Those are the things that I've noticed. And I probably was a uh, Photoshop nerd for a long period. So I was trying to become a Photoshop nerd. I had my Udemy courses. I was about to do 201 and then I got hired by NetWise and Adam's like, here's Canva. I'm like, all right, forget, forget Photoshop. So now I just kept lying about my skill level and then getting hired and going, oh, okay, now I got to figure it out. (laughs) 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 That's worked pretty well throughout my career. (laughs) That's a strategy. Fake it till you make it never, never goes out of style. Yeah, what we were just saying about Canva, though, is, is, is if, if people like in the weeds of why is Adobe willing to pay $20 billion for Figma? It's because that's it's it's a new thing. It's like a social yeah. network combined with a not fair to say social network, but it's just collaboration tools. Right. It's more effective at getting a bunch of people in a place working on a thing than passing, you know, PSDs back and forth. Exactly. Yeah. Tracking changes. Yeah, it's almost, <laughs> so, uh, 
and it's more, you know, it's, it's more, um, you know, deferential or, 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 or fits better with, I think the, the async work life nature of, of things, especially at the agency level. I, I don't know, you know, you mentioned outsourcing, you know, certain projects and, you know, it sounds like you run Barlele from your home, right? So it's, it's not like you have a team that you just you know, walk down the hall and there's the design team in front of, you know, their IMAX designing away, you know, so you're, it's, it, it really is a new kind of landscape digitally that we have to adapt to. And that these, a lot of these companies are, are accommodating with their, with their innovation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, our team is all over the world. Like we have people in, um, I mean, Will, Will's there in Jersey. That's basically a different country. Um, we, Shots I'm, in, fired. I'm in, literally in the boonies in North Carolina. Um, we've got some of our, half of our teams in the Philippines. Uh, we've got people we work with in India and the UK. So like everyone's all over the place and our clients are all over the place. And it really doesn't matter because we're using these tools that are just all online that are, that are global tools. So I think pivoting off of the software thing gets us to one of the other things we talked about before we started recording the piece you wrote about team building and sort of, you know, the, the pieces like there's a, there's a layer to that, that I think is interesting that gets to the software piece, right? Like you just said, you know, your, your big distributed team tools like Canva, Figma, things like we're using right now. So we don't need a studio to do this podcast. It really is a new, new paradigm in so many places, which is why it's relevant to just keep having the conversations about how do we pull these teams together? How do we, you know, how can we remain effective and happy at the same time while the world changes to this weird new thing where we're not all in the same office, I guess. Mm-hmm. One of the things that resonated with me from that, that article was, uh, was the mentoring you mentioned, you know, in, in skip to the end, but your, your fourth point is employee retention, which I think is a really relevant topic to our listeners right now, because it's still a really hot job market, even though people say, oh, we're headed for recession, blah, blah, blah. There's still, there's still a massive appetite for creative professionals, data professionals, people who are able to make sense of this stuff, grade it, produce it, et cetera. So with those people, how do you advocate business leaders, entrepreneurs retaining their best talent and, and you know, advertising their small business as a place that the best talent should go? And how does mentoring, in your opinion, sort of feed into that retention? I mean, I'm going to say something that sounds basic, but unfortunately, this just doesn't happen enough in the corporate world. Be nice to people. <laughs> you know, like, it's funny. People ask me this a lot. I'm like, oh, how do you build culture and all of that? I'm like, I'm nice to people. Like, I'm nice to staff. We do funny things. We joke around. I, we don't act all stiff. We check in with each other over like, Hey, Will, how's it going? What's up? Good morning. And like, that's it. Not like, Hey, did you get me that report? You know, like, sure. Sometimes we ask for the report, but like a lot of times I think it's just about building an actual relationship between people and the team. I think that's one of the big things is just like show people that you're a company made up of humans, humans who are nice to each other, humans who enjoy spending time around each other while you're doing the work and make the work fun. So I don't know, Will, like, what do you think? I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this as someone on the team. Like, what do you think we're doing that's helping with the culture? You know, I think a lot of it is around just like being human, you know? (laughs) No, you definitely hit on a lot of the notes that I love already about 
working together, but it's about that connection, that relationship building, that connection that I, you know, you and I have made and uh, others in Barlele as well. Um, is It's all about that connection and feeling comfortable too and growing that work-life balance and feeling comfortable in growing that work-life balance too. Like I had mentioned before, coming from a robotic corporate world, it's the work-life balance is just so much better. Taylor has encouraged me to work from the shore or AKA the beach. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I've attended meetings while with, when I was on the fishing pier at the shore, at the beach. Uh, like it's amazing to have that empowerment and my confidence has grown just because Taylor is a leader and a mentor, not a, not a boss. We don't like to use that word boss. Here. No, no. And I do like, I, I think it's really important to find, like try to understand from your people what they're good at and what they're really passionate about and what they love and then help them get better at that. Throughout my career, I've been in jobs before where it's like, Oh, go do this. And I'm like, that wasn't supposed to be part of the job at all. I'm like, no, like, I'm terrible at that. And now, oh, oh my gosh, I'm in this role now. And it's like this bad fit, right? And then you're thinking, you're freaking out, like, what do I do? And you're not performing well at the job because it's not really a good fit. I really try to understand from people. And I think this is part of that mentoring is asking them questions and understanding, like, what do you want to do? And once they get into the role for a little while saying, what do you like that you're doing? And what do you hate that you're doing? And I want you to be brutally honest with me. And so I think maybe it's a bit of practicing radical candor too. Like when I, when we bring people on and we onboard, like I'm just very, very upfront about what the job is, what the job isn't, what our culture is, what our culture isn't. And, um, you know, I'm, I've just been at so many cultures in my career where I'm just like, oh, Barf, like all you're doing is playing politics just, all day long. You're and, gunning all day, as Kerb right? likes to say. Just, yeah. <laughs> just, in law school, we call them gunners. <laughs> I just it's, hate it so much. <laughs> it makes it, it, it's toxic to even, to even try to achieve your own career trajectory. Like it, you're, yeah, it's, it almost feels like a knife fight sometimes when it's, when it's all, all politics right. and, and work product and no, you yeah. know, no human element. Yeah. So to tie that back a little bit to the topic of the podcast, I suppose, branding, marketing, that kind of stuff, your expertise on that side. I'm curious if you see some of the same patterns I do in the space of like, as you try to establish a corporate brand, the people that make up that company matter more and more for that brand's, you know, presence in market. Right. And, 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 and that impacts the employee retention and everything like that. But I think increasingly just the consumers be they B2B or consumer consumer, like are still out there going, I don't know, click on the team page and see what you're about before I decide to sign up for, for your blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. No, people absolutely do that. And I think it is important to show like the face of the company. So like from an agency perspective, a lot of times the way this is done is like, you know, in your proposals, you show like, this is the team who's going to work on your marketing strategy or your brand strategy, you know? So like you help to play up like how great the team is, right? Because you got a great team. This is who's going to empower your brand. On the creative shizzle side, we're sort of, <laughs> I don't know, I'm kind of trying to think about that. We're sort of a faceless brand right now, like our owl and our funny language and copy. Like that's the culture of the brand. And 
it's less about like you're going to work with this specific person because it is a service where you're going online, you're signing up for a subscription. And it's just a different kind of a service than like if you're going to work with us on a on a big, deep, many months long brand strategy project with the agency. So I think I don't know if I'm answering the question at all. But you definitely uh, are. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> Crushing it. <laughs> I think I'm, I was just, I was thinking, you know, how, you know, how often it, you know, it's, it, cause it's psychological, right? It's not all quantitative. Like, do you have five years experience running ads on Google? Do you have, you know, three years of Photoshop? You know, it's, it's like, yeah, I've got a, I'm, I know some design and I've, I've worked in these ecosystem. Maybe I haven't touched as much programmatic display as I have social media, but that's okay. Like if you, if you come to me and you're like, I've got eight years running Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and not, not so much running the display side. Don't really know search. Like I can teach you search. You know what I mean? Like just, I, just, sh- you know, show me that you've engaged and are passionate about one piece of the puzzle and the other things it's like, as opposed to someone who comes in, it's like, and is, is only focused on X, Y, and Z. This is what I've done. But if you show me that you're, you know, you love to, you love to do nature photography or you lead, um, you know, you lead, you lead like whale watching tours on the weekends, like show me a little bit of your personality. Like, what do you like to do with your life? That's not just work. Like those are the people, those are the prospects that I'm most excited to hire or to work with as opposed to someone who just checks all the boxes per se. Totally agree. So from a hiring perspective, I'll I'll kind of talk a little bit, both from the side of sales and side of hiring. So like Will, as an example, When he applied, I was looking for project managers. He applied for the job. And just the way that he emailed me and followed up, and it was so, it just had that human element where he was like, hey, what's up? What's going on? I'm Will. I got, you know, like a two-year-old, I'm sorry, I'm getting the age wrong. Um, But he was like, (laughs) a little bit about me. And he was just so like personable and approachable. And I was like, yeah. He didn't sound like a robot, like a lot of people who are like, hello, good day, dear sir or madam. And I'm like, is this a robot applying for a job? Like, I don't even know if it's a bot or a real human, you know? (laughs) And (laughs) with Will, I was like, real human, let's talk, right? And then one of the things that I do in in the hiring process to like kind of feel out if people are a good fit um, is I give them a project. Like, most companies, they go through this big, long HR process and they're like, hey, okay, and then we're going to get down to two candidates and then we're going to make the hard decision between those two candidates. And I'm like, why don't I just give you a project and see how you do? And so, and I pay them for that project, right? So like I pay them for their time to do that project. And then if they do a good job on that one, I'll give them one or two more projects and I'll see how that goes. And so like I, I pull people on and hire people on more on this sort of like, let's test each other out and see if we're a good fit for each other. So that's one of the things that I found to help me get the right people on board that are just a good fit for the job and for the culture. And then on a sales perspective, something that I do really, especially with the, with the agency, when people are hiring us and they know they want to work with us and I'm going to be a lot of the brand strategy lead on some of the bigger visionary things for our clients I send them a video of me talking. So not so much about just like, oh, I've been doing this for 15 years and blah, 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 blah. I actually just in my proposal that we send out, the first thing that opens up, it surprises people. It's a video of me talking about what a brand is. 
And, you know, so like they get a feel for me and who I am. And I put a lot of those types of videos up on our website. So again, people can not just read about us, but they can get a feel for us. I love that. That transparency is establishing your brand at the same time. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So we have just enough time for the last, the, the last question, which I'll phrase this way this time. What, what's, what's the first ad campaign that you remember? Ooh. Will, you want to go first? Mine always has to do with songs. I have a really crazy auditory memory. So like they mine probably all tie back to songs. You guys remember Stockholm Boppers? They had a really good song. They're like a, a, a inflatable. It sounds familiar. What that you would like beat your friends up with? Yeah, yeah, like almost like the Hulk. There's like a Hulk glove thing. Like exactly yeah. that, but like primitive nineties, <laughs> early nineties. Yeah, version. Just, just blow up balloon version of the, the exactly. same idea. The song was <laughs> the song was great. It was very catchy. Sock and boppers, sock and boppers. More fun than the pillow foot. I think that was it. We're going to catch, we're going to dig up the real audio and see how close you were. That was awesome. Yeah, we'll find the real real thing and link to it in the show notes. (laughs) I don't remember that one. (laughs) This is ad campaign karaoke all of a sudden. I love it. Ad campaign karaoke. Taylor, what about you? So I don't know. I'm trying to decide between two that would be really funny to talk about. Okay, but. To add on to the ad fun karaoke, my buddy, my buddy, <laughs> my buddy and me, kid uh, sister, yeah, kid, kid sister, sister. <laughs> kid sister and me. That's up there for like <laughs> early, for sure, core memories in terms of in terms of yeah. ads I remember. Yeah, when it's when when it's put back on us, it usually comes to whatever of some toy that. You know, like we're like I'm right at the edge of I think the first generation to 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 have that sort of version yeah. of those types of memories <laughs> of your ads. It's like when I talk to my dad about what ads he remembers from when he was a kid, it's like comic books and stuff. For the first with the full on blitz that is like, you know, crossfire. <laughs> That's the one, whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, yeah. And thanks for having us on your podcast, which yeah. we should we should plug on the way out here, talking shizzle. But yeah, where where can people find you? The podcast, the the website, all that. The new product, Creative Shizzle. Yeah, if you want to see Creative Shizzle, go to creativeshizzle.com because your marketing should sizzle, 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 sizzle. I don't know. I just really wanted to do that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> And if you want to learn more about Barlele, go to B-A-R-L-E-L-E dot com and you can learn more about our agency. Awesome. Find us on LinkedIn. Will and I are both on LinkedIn a lot. So trying to remember how you like fully sizzle sounds. I think it's just crumple some paper. (laughs) There you go. Some foley. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. And thanks to everybody for listening to another episode of the Data Driven Marketer. Uh, I'm Adam. I'm Mark. I'm Will. Take it easy, everybody. Good later, (laughs) y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Data-Driven Marketer. Our show is produced by Jessica Jacobson and Dan Salcius. This episode was edited by Steve Kosh. The Data-Driven Marketer is sponsored by NetWise, a Dun & Bradstreet company. Any views or opinions expressed in this episode do not represent the views or opinions of NetWise or Dun & Bradstreet.